I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. the large human and societal cost of neuropsychiatric disorders, many of these conditions have poor or no treatment options. And there has been a dearth of new mechanisms to treat major neuropsychiatric disorders for decades. Psychogenics is seeking to change that with its unique approach to drug discovery for these conditions. Rather than rely on a target-based approach, the company has created high-throughput phenotypic screens using validated mouse models and artificial intelligence to detect behavioral changes. We spoke to Mark Varney, chief scientific officer of Psychogenics, about the company's use of phenotypic screens to discover new drugs for neuropsychiatric disorders, how it works, and the case for this approach. Mark, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. We're going to talk about psychogenics, its use of phenotypic screens to improve drug discovery for CNS disorders, and the case for this approach. Let's start with psychogenics, which many of our listeners may not be familiar with. What does psychogenics do, and how does it work with customers? Yes, psychogenics has two divisions. The largest is our contract research organization, and this group supports research and drug testing across a range of uh, CNS disorders in psychiatry and neurology, covering most of the uh, uh, of the human conditions. The second division is the drug discovery group, and here the mission is to develop uh, breakthrough medicines for disorders of the nervous system using our phenotypic drug discovery uh, platforms, and behavioral observations, artificial intelligence, and, and translational research. A team of experts work on both our internal programs, and we have a number of partnered uh, programs as well. Psychogenics is focused on drug discovery for CNS disorders. It does a lot of work in the rare disease space, but it also works on psychiatric indications, and I'd like to focus on those this is an area that for a long time hasn't benefited from the types of innovation we've seen in other areas of medicine. I'd argue that's changing, but what makes this such a challenging area? Why hasn't there been the same level of innovation we've seen elsewhere? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a fair question. It, it has been very difficult to develop new drugs in psychiatric indications and I, and I think that's because of there's a number of additional challenges within this area the first and perhaps the obvious one is that the human brain is incredibly complex and we still have a relatively poor understanding uh, of the disease mechanisms involved in for example depression and schizophrenia the second is that i think we uh, we've lagged behind our uh, other groups such as oncologists in identifying targets, biomarkers, and the use of patient stratification. And I think that's in part because if you look at other disorders such as cancer, surgical procedures uh, can take and examine relevant tissue 
to the disease that then can be used to identify targets and biomarkers for patient diagnosis and stratification. And that's something we just cannot do in, in neuroscience. And I think that's particularly important in neuroscience because we know that not all patients respond to our current drugs. And take, for example, the antidepressants. We see that about 30% of depressed patients respond adequately to current treatments. About 30% show a limited response, and then about 30% of patients really don't respond. And so when we run a clinical study, we really don't have good ways to stratify those patients and just select those who are likely to respond. And that makes drug development more costly uh, because, because we have more failures. And if we were able to correctly identify those patients, we, we could run those studies faster and we could run smaller studies. How has drug discovery for these conditions traditionally been done? How have targets been discovered and validated and how have drugs been screened against them? So the typical approach in drug discovery, sort of regardless, if you like, of the therapeutic area in, in the post-genomic era is to, is to identify molecular targets based on genetics or from transgenic rodent models, or really from improved biologic understanding of a disease mechanism. And then to identify the drug candidates that act precisely on that target of interest. And this is called target-based drug discovery. And while this approach works uh, pretty well, I, I would say that it has, has worked less well within the neuroscience space. And I think this is really due to two drawbacks of this approach. The first is that most successful drugs that are used currently to treat CNS disorders actually act on multiple targets. They don't really act on a single target. There seems to be some redundancy in the neuronal networks that require us to, to act at several places within those networks. The second is that e even with the strongest data we have that supports a single gene or a protein that's involved in the disease, the underlying biology is still incredibly complex. And, and here one, I think, good example is, is in Huntington's disease. We've known now for 30 years or so that the Huntington protein is the cause of Huntington's disease. And yet, even though we've known that this is a target for drug discovery, we've just not been able to successfully drug this target. Now, the second approach, which has had a resurgence, is phenotypic drug discovery. And this, this approach evaluates the effect of a drug molecule in a model of the disease itself. And in fact, this is the way in which many drugs were first discovered. And in fact, in the neuroscience space, most first-in-class drugs were discovered using these phenotypic screens where drugs were injected either into animals or to human patients to see if they produced the desired effect. And, and this is the approach that we've em embraced at Psychogenics. We've taken the original concept and we've applied our modern tools and strategies to develop our SmartCube platform. The SmartCube platform is the heart of your phenotypic approach. How does it work? It's, uh, SmartCube is a, it's an automated platform. And what it does is it presents a sequence of challenges to a mouse in its uh, customized hardware, and it incorporates computer vision and artificial intelligence to process and analyze um, the data. The 
We then use proprietary bioinformatics and, and various probability algorithms to detect and assess the potential of these compounds to treat various psychiatric disorders. We basically compare the complex behavior profiles of the mouse with those against the reference library of many hundreds of, of known compounds. And so, for example, if a mouse is given drug X, we compare the behavior associated with drug X to, to our library of reference compounds. And then we characterize drug X as being, for example, similar to an antidepressant or similar to an antipsychotic. And, and that may then be, drug X may then be the starting point for a new program in that disease area. You're using mouse models for specific diseases. How predictive are mice for psychiatric disorders? Yeah, so for our drug discovery programs that are focused on more complex CNS disorders, such as depression, we typically use normal mice and then we see how they react to a drug treatment and compare the behavior to, the, to that associated with reference compounds. But we can also go sort of one step further. If, if we have a disease that is associated with a specific gene mutation, and what we can do is we can, we can make the transgenic um, mouse model and we can profile it in SmartCube. And this allows us to capture its phenotype, but it also allows us potentially to help find drugs from our database of screen compounds that might normalize the behavior of, of that mouse. And so we've done that for a few different examples, uh, particularly around single genetic mutations, such as models of Huntington's disease or, or Rett syndrome, and, and is in fact an area that we're, we're actively evaluating. How nuanced an insight can you get from this approach? How sensitive are the measures and how much data is generated by a single cube? So there is a vast amount of data that's generated per mouse per smart cube. In each session, which lasts about 45 minutes, we, we collect over 500,000 data points. These are then summarized into about 1,500 behavioral features. And it's this behavioral, these behavioral features that are then compared to the features generated uh, from our reference compounds, which, which includes drugs that are already approved for human use as well as tool compounds. So we think that there's sufficient data that's generated to, to indicate the potential therapeutic indication and to conduct a phenotypic similarity to references, reference drugs of interest. For example, if a drug produces a behavior that we, we, we can then compare that behavior against our entire library of compounds to see what that drug is most similar to, and that can help direct us towards a specific therapeutic area to, to investigate. Psychogenics refers to this as high throughput discovery. How quickly can you screen molecules and are you screening your own library of compounds through this process or do you take candidates that have already been identified through some other process by a client? Yeah, so our throughput, um, we can screen several hundred compounds per week. Um, usually we screen about 5,000 compounds uh, per year, but the system is scalable, and if we need to increase capacity, that, that can be done as necessary. We currently have a, a library of about 7,000 small molecules that have a robust behavioral activity in mice. These have good drug-like properties, and they use the starting points for our own drug discovery programs, as well as those 
programs that we're looking to, in which we're looking to collaborate with third parties. For our own programs, we're focused really on in the areas of depression, schizophrenia, and a few other psychiatric disorders. And for our partners, we can uh, either use our own library as starting points, or we can in fact screen their libraries. And one recent collaboration that we, we started is with a company called Emiria, where they have a library of several hundred chemical analogs of MDMA. And of course, there's a lot of interest in the psychedelic space right now. And so they're coming to us with their library and we're providing a smart cube platform. And the idea is to screen their compounds and determine which ones look the most promising and also to identify what potential indications would make most sense in which to, to embark on collaborative uh, drug development program. Once you identify a candidate, do you then have to optimize it in a more conventional drug development approach? Yeah, so like any um, drug discovery program, the hits from our smart cube really are starting points for conventional medicinal chemistry and optimization of, of drug discovery, drug-like properties. So we optimize, you know, pharmacokinetics, metabolism. We try and uh, remove any um, activity we have against targets that we want to avoid that we know are going to produce side effects in humans. And one thing we have found, though, is that because these compounds have been identified based on the changes in behavior that they, they, they produce in a mouse, they actually are often already have pretty good drug-like properties. And they have, for example, usually good brain penetration and good pharmacokinetics. So they act as, as really quite good starting points for our programs. On its face, this might seem like a less precise approach to drug discovery. You may identify a compelling candidate without understanding its mechanism of action. What's the case for, for using this approach? You're absolutely right. One challenge for phenotypic drug discovery is that, you know, because we're target agnostic, we may identify compounds that while they produce, while it produces the behavioral change we're looking for, it may do so through mechanisms that we just don't understand or we don't know about. Importantly, this doesn't prevent us from developing the compound into man, but obviously if you can identify the targets, it does help you de-risk the program and it helps in other ways in terms of finding uh, potential biomarkers. So there are several different approaches that we've used to deconvolute the targets. And I would say that this works in uh, probably a little bit more than half the programs that we've looked at. We, we're usually able to identify the targets associated with the drugs. And one successful example of this is in a collaboration uh, with our partner Synovion. We identified a molecule that we, that's called CEP856 uh, from a screening library that showed activity as an antipsychotic in, in our SmartQ platform. In other words, a drug that could potentially treat schizophrenia. So we were trying to determine the mechanism of action. And one of the things that we wanted to do was rule out that it was acting like a, a other conventional antipsychotic compounds. So we screened against the dopamine D2 and the serotonin 5-HT2 receptors. These were ruled out as potential targets. And eventually we found that CEP856 actually worked through a novel mechanism 
uh, through activation of one of the trace amine receptors and also the serotonin 5-HT1A receptor. The drug entered clinical trials and was shown in a robust phase two study to produce uh, beneficial effects in schizophrenic patients and is now in several phase three clinical studies, uh, which should complete early next year. And importantly, really the use of the SmartCube platform here has allowed us to potentially identify the first new mechanism in over 60 years for the treatment of schizophrenia. And it was discovered using phenotypic screening. What's known about how this compares to more conventional drug development today in terms of time and cost? Yeah, we recently analyzed this. We, we have, in fact, now seven compounds we've, we've identified through this platform that have gone into or going into the clinic. And so what we found is that the number of analogs that you need to synthesize from your hit in SmartCube to your development candidate is somewhere in the range of 200 to 300 analogs. Now, if you compare that to the industry metrics, typically for a target-based drug discovery program, uh, one needs to synthesize between 2,000 and 4,000 compounds from your screening hit to get to your development candidate. So what we're seeing is we only need to synthesize 10% of that number. And so this translates both into a faster development time and, a, and obviously a huge cost saving using SmartCube. Psychogenics has three other platforms, the NeuroCube, the PhenoCube, and the eCube. Can you just walk us through those quickly and explain how they're used? Yeah, all of these platforms are proprietary that we developed in-house. Uh, they, they're relatively high throughput and they use computer vision and AI uh, or changes in EEG to quantify rodent uh, behaviors in, a, in an automated and non-biased manner. So the NeuroCube measures gait and motor function in rodents. And so this has, has been a great platform for evaluating the effect of drugs uh, or the effect of genes in transgenic animals um, in disorders such as ALS or Huntington's disease where you see motor impairment or in models of, for example, neuropathic pain. The PhenoCube is a, is a platform that measures uh, social and cognitive behaviors in groups of mice. This is currently undergoing some major enhancements and will be uh, something we'll be rolling out in, in the future. And the eCube is a pharmaco EEG platform that's uh, electroencephalopathy. This is a, a platform that we're using for screening and automated classification of compounds into different therapeutic classes. And we found this to be particularly useful when combined with the SmartCube data. And importantly, it also offers the opportunity to identify EEG changes that could be used as translational biomarkers for uh, clinical studies and also for target engagement. From a business model point of view, how far will psychogenics advance a compound and what is the partnering strategy for seeing drugs that you discover carry through to the market? Yeah, so uh, at this point in time, um, the internal programs for psychogenics, which, which are focused on, you know, depression, schizophrenia, et cetera, we, we, we hope to take those compounds through to phase two proof of concept 
at which point I think we would be open to, to some form of partnership. For our uh, collaborative drug discovery programs, uh, some of those are uh, a joint venture. Uh, others, uh, the partner has the ability to license those compounds and develop them uh, for their own purposes. So our collaborations really uh, can be structured to the needs of the, uh, of the partners and uh, are pretty flexible. Mark Varney, Chief Scientific Officer of Psychogenics. Mark, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.